You're very welcome, listeners, to the Locker Room Podcast. It's been a little while since we had all three of us together. This is the 44th, and we said we'd have to look back on uh, such a brilliant tournament and obviously a dramatic match the other night, uh, the Euro 2020 final. We've got, um, we've got the view from London, the English view from Ross Bennett. Ross, you're very welcome. Thanks, Kieran. Looking forward to today. I bet you are. And then we've got the um, the rest of the United Kingdom view then from Joe Coulter from, from Northern Ireland. <laughs> or Joe, I better say Ireland, or <laughs> there might be some listeners who will be ringing, up, ringing me up and having words. Oh, you'll be in trouble. Uh, I'll be in big trouble. Like Sean, like you'll, Sean, be, you'll be in trouble, Eric, here. Like, like, with, like Sean, poor old Sean Kavanagh, the, the, my accountant. <laughs> exactly, Kieran. It'll probably be Stevie Porter ringing me up. <laughs> Guaranteed, Stevie will be ringing you up. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a, you know, it was a very interesting game uh, tactically. Obviously, you know, you know, as a, as an Irish person who lived, who comes from the north of Ireland, um, I was sort of on for England at the beginning of the game, but as the game went on, I, my allegiance has slightly moved towards Italy. So I think we'll uh, discuss that a little bit later, Kieran. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, we'll move on swiftly, Joe, because I thought you may have said that you were supporting England there for a second. So we'll just switch on from that and we may have to come back to that later. Okay, just before we get into that, uh, lads, we, I just want to mention about Ripped. So Ripped is a software platform built for performance coaches and organizations. They've come on board with us again. So thanks very much to Ripped and, and Cormac. With easy to use programming tools and training load, well-being and nutrition monitoring via the Ripped app, all of your coaching tools are in one place streamlining your coaching, making it more accessible for your clients and athletes and providing you with insights you need to optimize performance. To find out more, head over to www.ripped.app, that's R-Y-P-T dot app, and use the code LOCKERROOM to get you two months free trial. Uh, that's LOCKERROOM, all capitals, all one word. Alternatively, head over to dailysportscience.com forward slash podcast and you get all the information there. So thanks to Cormac and the lads as 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 always ross i suppose first place to start <clears throat> as regards and we'll try and kind of keep an eye on the game from a coaching perspective just to kind of differentiate we are a coaching organization and, and coaching podcast um the starting lineups were very very interesting where Gareth southgate i thought personally he would have and should have kept with his previous lineup from the semi-final of four defenders um he went with three central defenders now every time i see a three four three like that really i'm thinking well that's a five a five two three or a five two two one in some ways with with um mason mount playing mason mount and raheem sterling playing behind harry kane i mean the wing backs did brilliantly trippier on the right and and luke shaw on on the left um, but do you, do you think that was a mistake? Um, very interesting, kids, because before the game, when I saw the lineups, I, I spoke to a few people and I said I wasn't sure about it. I really wasn't. I know yeah. we went the three to match up Germany, like for like, um, but he did something different here. So obviously, he tried to do something different to go at Italy. Um, but I wasn't sure. I, I felt the same thing. However, 
the way the team started and where the goal came from, particularly in terms of stretching Italy across the pitch and they couldn't get across to stop the cross. And then the other wing back got in and obviously great finish, Luke Short finished finish the goal. I thought it was genius in, mm. in that sense. We went at Italy, we were aggressive in the first half an hour, fullbacks got high up the pitch. It was like a back three to start with. Um, but as the game went on, I think the formation definitely hindered us in terms mm. of dropping too deep and it did become a back five. So I think it was very, very well done and it created a, a fantastic lightness start that nobody expected really England to be 1-0 up in two minutes. Um, but as the game went on, I think it definitely hindered us and that's where maybe a change was needed slightly quicker, which we'll come on to. Yeah, I mean, Joe, I was getting worried at one stage where, now I, I have to say, obviously, I'm an Irishman living in London, living in England the last nearly 10 years. I've got a little boy, you know, here with me now and my wife is English and Sri Lankan heritage, a little bit different, but still English born. Um, so I'm interested in this team. Let, let's say that. And I'm, I'm interested to join this team as a new and slightly different England team where a lot of ethnic diverse um, young players standing up for kind of civil civil rights and stuff as regards Marcus Rashford with um, you know helping to feed school children and and Jaden Sancho opening uh, soccer schools and, and, and helping with schools in London so I like a lot of characters from this team I think they represent what's good about England let's say and yeah. the, the opposite to the kind of Brexit you know the Brexit Britain the larger louts that we see yeah so, so I, I do like this team. I, I'm not saying I've, I supported them, but I, I liked them. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true, Kieran. And, you know, when you, when you look at that team, when you look at the start in 11, or without, without immigration, that team isn't possible. You know, the, the quality of that team isn't possible. And it's pretty much, you know, you've got a lot of English-born players. Uh, you know, obviously the majority of them are English-born players, but you have players too that have Irish backgrounds. You know, you've got Kane there, I think his dad's from, from Galway, you've got Rice there as well. I think Phillips, uh, Phillips, his, his grandmother maybe is is Irish as well. Uh, Maguire ob obviously has Irish uh, heritage too. A few others as well. And then you've got a lot of players from the kind of Jamaica, from the Caribbean area. Um, so you know you've got a really good diverse ethnic mix of players. And I think look, you know, look as an English fan myself, you know, coming from the north of Ireland, in the past we would have tended to maybe definitely not support England but you can now see you know you can now see that you know it is full of, of players from different backgrounds and I think that can only be good you know you know going forward and in the environment that we're in you know with Brexit and with all this stuff going on here on, on Twitter recently with the racial abuse that the three lads got for missing the penalties and you're kind of thinking when they did miss the penalties you're kind of thinking because you know in the back of your head these boys are going to get abused they're going to get racially abused on Twitter and that whole thing now you know, it's gone on and, you know, certain politicians haven't really backed the England players taking the knee. And there's been a bit of, uh, you know, fire back today with Pretty Patel. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not good when the leadership of your country isn't backing anti-racist um, things that the England team are doing. Yeah, and actually, I mean, it's, it's a point that's further down the discussion, but I love to see this because you've got the government now at loggerheads with the English national team. And 
the English national team have the biggest microphone of all, maybe like amongst the people, maybe even bigger than the government, whereby Tyrone Mings writes out a tweet and, and call, call, rightly calls Pretty Patel a hypocrite for uh, her stance on, on, you know, gesture politics about taking the knee and stuff like that. A lot of people will see that from Tyrone Mings, and a lot of people will support that, and I think that can can only be good. But I, I was I was getting concerned, Ross, halfway through the first half because I was looking at the game with my wife, and I was saying, "Whoa, this this is a different England. This is an England that are controlling the game, um, making Italy look very very average." I was shocked at how poor Italy were at that time. I think. Insignia took a shot at one stage from 35 yards out, you know, far too far out. The goal wasn't on at all. It just kind of trickled wide. His teammates gave out to him. He kind of gestured back at them. I mean, England were, were in total, I'm not going to say total control of the game because they didn't have as much possession, but they looked quite secure out of possession, didn't they? Yeah, they're very secure. And it comes back to the point where, like, I remember that point with Insigne, you know, he's having a row with Jorginho, but he had no options. He had no one to stick yeah. through. He was, he, you know, they, they didn't have any ideas. We were getting pressure up the pitch, which was good. We had Mason Mount nicking the ball in, in their half, in the Italian half. We had Declan Rice going higher, winning the ball back higher up the pitch. And it meant that when we had the ball back, we had options to actually go Italy and counter and, and try and affect their back line and, and try and score. The problem is what happened, you know, after about 30, 35 minutes, the warning signs came and and we started dropping deeper. And Harry Kane was the highest man well inside the England half. When we won the ball back, we had nobody to play forward to, no outlet. And Italy started to put pressure on. And Chiesa had a great chance on his left foot that just went wide. Insigne was coming closer. There were warning signs at the end of that first half that we took our foot off the gas and we went to a back five and we stopped pressing high up the pitch. And it caused us problems. It really did. I think it's worth mentioning, Ross, like set out the difference between your back five and your back three, because even though the formation is a three, four, three, like I said at the beginning, three central defenders can quickly become, instead of those two wide wing backs being really good, effective attacking players down either line, pinning back Chiesa and pinning back um, Insignia, it nearly became where they drift back into a back five then. And then you've got a little bit of problem, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And what, what happens is when, you, when your uh, wing backs are being aggressive and, and especially out of possession, they sometimes lock on to the fullback of the other team, which is mm -hmm. fine if you get people shuffled over. Your centre-halves, people like Harry Maguire, John Stones, were comfortable enough, Carl Walker definitely, to step onto the wide player and sometimes go 3v3 with the protection of the two sitters in, in front of them. That's what they needed to do and be aggressive. They knew that Italy didn't have loads of space uh, pacing behind, so they could deal with any ball that went. But as soon as you go to the back five being <laughs> occupied by three front players yeah. and we've got the sitting players you've then you're, you're camped near the edge of your box and you've got no outlet you've got people dropping deep so that that was the problem and fair play to Italy they got a foothold in the game their midfield three players were fantastic um you know I, I don't think that the lineup allowed us to dominate the middle of the pitch when we were getting dominated in our own half um but it definitely come from the back five way, being way too deep yeah I think the, the, the big, you mentioned Chiesa, and, and we'll, we'll certainly speak about him as regards the second half. But even in the first half, I just felt it was like there wasn't a sea change, but gradually and just bit by bit by bit, England ceded possession. And the England, in some ways, like the tree, 
you know, diamond, you could nearly call them only three players, but of Verratti, uh, Jorginho and Barella, um, a young Inter, Inter Milan centre midfielder, just bit by bit, the three of them started to get into the game, holding on to possession, little combinations, little passes, and they still weren't creating chances other than the Chiesa chance with his left foot, but it just meant that they were getting a foothold in the game. And you could see all over the pitch, Italy were beginning to settle more and more and settle. And England, obviously, then the opposite were beginning to get unsettled at that stage. Like coming into half time, then you as a, as a coach, as a manager, like w- what do you do? You have a choice of kind of stick or twist. And it seemed like Southgate kind of he chose to, to stick, really. Yeah, I think look, hindsight's a, a, a great thing, and we look back and say, well, he should have changed to the four, and he should have yeah. he should have preempted that Mancini was, which we'll come on to, was very clever, and, and preempt that something needed to change. But I think what he didn't do, because I probably would have stuck in that situation. We're one nil up against Italy. We've been under the cosh for ten minutes, but we've also caused them problems. But what we actually need to do is make sure the personnel, regardless of the system on the pitch, and go back to playing on the front foot and mm. get Trippier and get Luke Shaw high up the pitch we know we've got pace in behind get our midfielders winning the ball high up the pitch and locking on and maybe bring Mount to more of a central position so that we can match up the the three midfielders so even if you didn't change system or personnel Mm. you've got the players on the pitch to still be aggressive like we was at the start of the game Um, but as you know we came out that wasn't the case already we was on the back foot I think once the stats were like came up 74% Italy we were just we were just happy to be in deep inside our own half and just track try to keep them in front of us, which they've got too much quality. At some point, something's going to give. So I I think I would have said to the players, we need to get higher up the pitch. We need to lock on higher. (laughs) I made an active, active attempt to get personnel trying to stop them playing out. Ross, Ross, can I just ask you, can I just try for jumping in there? Um, Is the root cause also not that England, England don't have those central midfielders that are playmakers that are really, really comfortable, you know, in possession? Yeah, and we've seen in previous tournaments where England have knocked out. You only have to look at the last tournament, the World Cup, where you had the likes of when they were playing Croatia in the semi-final. And Modric is running the midfield because he's so comfortable on the ball. Uh, it's so easy for him. Do, do England have that type of player? I know that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they mightn't have had that type of player. And they're trying to look for that type of player to keep possession of the ball. But are we still going back to that? where, where opposition midfields who are good teams or, or dominating them through possession. Is that that's still a problem? Yeah, I, I think I think it's a fair point. I mean, you look at you look at the Italian midfield, as Keir's mentioned, the personnel there, very, very good technical players, um, you know, very, very good at dominating the midfield. However, I think if you have someone like Mason, Mason Mount that comes more central into that midfield area, who's a very good player. I've known him, you know, worked with him from when he was 14. Very, very good technical player. Declan Rice gets a bit of stick, stick in terms of playing sideways and backwards, but can handle the ball, especially, in my opinion, more than someone like Jordan is, is 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 Mount good enough to control a game against top-class international players? Is the England midfield good enough to... to Probably yeah. not, Joe, but I think if you have the personnel in there at least to match them up for for like for like and get the bodies in the middle of the pitch, I think you'd have more of a chance. Um, like we saw in the first half, we saw Declan Rice nicking the ball off, off you know, Jorginho high up the pitch. We saw Mason Mount putting mm. pressure high up the pitch. I think you give yourself a chance. I mean, 
they're, they're probably better <coughs> technical players, but I don't think we even got into that <coughs> at all because we allowed them to have loads of time and space on the ball. You put pressure on any player, you make it difficult for them. You put good pressure on any player, you make it difficult for them. So we mm. didn't ask the question enough in the second half, in my opinion. I think I think as as a coach and as a manager, like the setup and the individuals is obviously massively both things massively important. But I think as well, like you mentioned about well, what do you say to them? How are you how are you actually set um how are you coaching them as regards what you want them to do on the pitch? Because I don't think England have a Jorginho, I don't think they have a Verratti, but I mean Declan Rice is a fine player. I thought he had a really, really good final. Um as you said, Mason Mount could be utilised better as a guards. I thought he, he ended up being solid defensively and everything and doing a lot of work. But like as we saw with for Chelsea during the season in Champions League final and all, he can be a, a brilliant attacking player as well. So they, they won't be able absolutely controlled midfield. But when was the last time in a major football tournament final, like the, 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 the home nation gets... 30% of possession or 35% of possession. So I, I think that's where maybe Southgate might have some regrets as regards, okay, you don't even have to change the setup, but as you mentioned, Ross, you could just tell Luke Shaw and Kieran, Kieran Trippier to keep doing what they were doing and keep getting up the line. I mean, the first goal was incredible, wasn't it? Like it worked, it worked an absolute treat, treat and, and Shaw you know, came in off the left-hand wing and, and it was perfection as a, as a from a coaching manual. So I think even just to kind of to get those players to play a little bit Ross on the front foot and be positive and be proactive and all, I, th I, th I think would have helped, you know. Joe, what did you think of um, the battle-hardened Benucci and especially um, Chiellini, the two centre-backs? Yeah, Kieran, they're they're absolutely brilliant. These these boys play on the edge, and I seen a tweet of the two of them in a, in a I think it was in a bed in a hotel with the uh, with the Euro Cup in between them. So they do spend a lot of time with each other, and they have a great understanding. <laughs> so they have a great understanding. But you know, if you look at Chiellini, you know, if he was born during the uh, Roman Empire time, he would be a centurion or something like that. He'd be the commander of one of those uh, major Roman armies. You know, yeah. so so. Really, but brilliant technically too, Kieran. He comes out with the ball and he plays slightly on that left-hand side as a centre-half and he's able to distribute as well, very comfortable on the ball and obviously yeah. great in the air. And you can see psychologically too, I think it was the uh, was it the quarter-final uh, when they went to penalties um, where he sort of, uh, he, he got the better of, uh, I forget, who, who did they play in the quarter-final? Was it, no, the semi semifinals, isn't it? Sorry, the semi. Sorry, the semifinal yeah. where where they were doing the toss up, Spain. and he was, yeah. and Spain. that was all psychological. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was yeah. all psychological, yeah. wasn't it, Kieran? Where he sort of yeah. hugged him and all, and that's the start Grand of the psychological thing. battle. So, so yeah. brilliant player, you know, and he has, <laughs> he has it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Huge respect to, to him, especially and both of them. Um, I, I think the spark of regeneration for Italy as well, Ross, really was Chiesa, Federico Chiesa. And I remember watching his dad in the 96, Euro 96, I think, or else it was World Cup 98. And he was a brilliant kind of inside forward for, for Parma. And he went on to have a really good career. And he was just a ball of energy. And like Chiesa, for a guy who's age 23 for Juventus, like what a young player, and he he caused England. He was the, he was the one really causing the trouble, wasn't he? Yeah, um, my father-in-law, um, Italian from the south, big Juventus fans, always said to me about um, Chiesa. Chiesa's a top player. Really? Um, wow. he, 
so anyway, so going into, I mean, you see ball of energy and probably the only one that could really threaten England, really from a physical perspective, getting in behind, mm. running at the back four, um, coming into great positions in the pocket. And But the, the <coughs> thing that's most important about him is how clinical he is. You mm. saw the, the, the goal against Spain, against the runner play in the semi-final. What a finish, oh, bent into the corner. Brilliant. He comes first half, he drives inside on his left foot, whiskers away from being equaliser. That, that <coughs> probably should have been a goal, really. And then another one in the second half, he cut inside the box and bent it around. Great save from Pickford. Yeah. In all fairness, so yeah. like you give that man any space in and around the box, like you're you're more or less going to be a goal down. So he was he was the one that, especially when we have to talk about Mancini, the change, really simple change he brought into the yeah. left hand side, and he caused murders. I mean, Walker was, was yeah. struggling, Trippier was pinned back there. He was coming inside. No one knew who to pick him up. They couldn't handle him. So he was the real spark. And when he you know went off at, at some point, that was the actual time England got a bit more of a foothold in the game Came later back. on. And start to get in a bit yeah. of belief. So the psychological side is massive. You see, already there. I know Bernadeschi who came on probably wasn't as, as good as him, um, or causing mm. England as many problems. But that one player allowed England then to get a bit of momentum and feel like they might be able to nick, nick the game. So it just shows you how yeah. how how many psychological factors come into these these games. Yeah, it it, it was it was amazing, really. Just the, the little differences into the game the little events and the ebb and flow the game goes up and down and like we remember in our time with London and all a, a goal or a, a a black card or a turnover and all of a sudden it's a different game I mean the, the, the bringing off we have to say that Manchese I suppose he was you know kind of instigating things whereas Southgate was probably reacting a little bit where Mancini brought off Immobile, which was quite predictable. I mean, he, he didn't do anything against Maguire and Stones, but bringing him off and kind of um, getting his players, like Chiesa was drifting into the centre, Insignia was drifting into the centre, but also Insignia was dropping deeper into midfield, overloading the midfield area, and it meant that they had an overload there in, in, in order to transition the ball better, um, which, you know, in, in the end, Chiesa got into the game more. Ross, just about the, the goal then, you, you have a little issue with Mason Mount maybe at the back post. <laughs> yeah, look, the, the, the goal was cut. The goal was coming, and Italy thoroughly deserved their goal. There's no mm. quite bones about that. They could have had a couple. That the amount they yeah. put in England on the back foot. Just before we go into the goalkeepers, I mean, Mancini was under a little bit of pressure. Maybe bring off Insigne. He wasn't having a great game. Yeah, he hit three or four shots that he shouldn't really have hit, but there weren't options for it, especially at the end of the first half into the second half. But he stood strong, and it, and he was right to take Immobile off. Immobile throughout the whole competition, I thought was was mm. one of their weaker frontline players. Um, yeah. And the combination when he changed things around and Insigne going into a false nine and number nine worked wonders. Uh, yeah. So very very good and stuck strong to his players there. The the goal. Mason Mount has to do better. There's no bones about that. He's he's let someone beat him on a header. It's bounced. It's bounced. It's come off a flick on. He's beat him on the inside shoulder. And look, I know that's not Mason Mount's game, but you're in a European final against top Italian players. These fine margins cost you the game, you know, and someone following in Bonucci as well. We have to be better in the box. I don't know whether you have someone on the post. It looked like we had less numbers. We had light numbers yeah. in the box. Um, yeah. Mount gets beat. Pickford, not a bad save in all fairness. He's parried it onto the post. Joe might disagree, um, but it comes uh, yeah. back. And it just starts I thought Pickford could have could have done a little bit better with that one, Ross. Um, I thought he seen it. I thought he seen it early, and he could have pulled palmed it maybe to get him away from, from the post. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looked it looked like the contact was slightly behind him by the time he got his hand to it. So it, I think that's why it's mm. kind of gone shallow. But look, Mount has to 
do better with that header. He can't let him attack his inside shoulder and and score like that. If he's got to beat him in a, in an air race, in a, in a in a race in the air, fair enough. But he can't come on the inside shoulder and just and head it in. He's got to be stronger than that defensively, I think. Yeah, yeah. Lads, I mustn't just mention our sponsor, the show sponsor, Ripped again. So, Ripped asks, are you tired of the limitations of using Excel and email to deliver programs? Ripped can help you simplify the creation and delivery of training programs, making it easier for you to provide everything your clients and athletes need, all at your fingertips. With training load, well-being and nutritional monitoring, so you can get the full picture of your athletes and players' performance. To find out more, head over to rip.app, use the code locker room, all capitals, all one word, to get your two months free trial and check out those guys. They, they, they do some brilliant work. Just quickly, then, Kiesa going off injured. I was personally devastated because I thought he, I just love watching him. He's such a brilliant player and, and I just love his creativity and physicality and everything. Um, England started to come back into it more. I mean, we speak briefly about it afterwards, but. You could actually hear a pin drop in the stadium at that stage. I couldn't believe how the English home support weren't like getting behind their team more. And like you're, they were kind of thinking you're, we're losing 1 1. Like you're, it's a drawn match. You're in a European final. You have 60,000 people nearly behind you. There's a once off chance. I couldn't believe there wasn't more, you know, support behind them at that stage. I was really surprised. I, th- I think, though, the, the tension gears of the game, like I, yeah. I've never been involved with England, obviously, in a, in a in yeah. final since I've been alive. Um, and, and my wife, as you know, is half Italian. She, she felt so tense yeah. as an Italian. The Italian fans were so <laughs> tense. Like, I, I just think everybody yeah. thought at that point, especially when Chiesa went off and <coughs> got a little bit of a foothold in the game, not dominated at all, mm. but had chances. Little I bit. think everyone felt that it could go either way. It was that... Tense, yeah. you know, and any little um, yeah. you know, chance in the box for any team. So I just think people yeah. were just so, you know, it was so surreal for them that in that situation, yeah. and, and people didn't know what to do. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, if the yeah. crowd got behind them, then yeah. What about what what about Ross? What Gareth Southgate had to do then because he he switched to a four, he switched back to a four three three. Um, he he took off uh, Declan Declan Rice. For Jordan Henderson, brought on Saka, took off Trippier. I mean, what are you as a coach, football coach? What are you doing <laughs> in hindsight? You know, what, how are you approaching that? You're coming to the end of the game. Obviously, it's going to extra time. I think it is. You've got Sancho on the bench. You know, Rashford. Okay, maybe not Grealish. Um, Phil Foden was he injured? Or I hear somebody mentioned. He was injured. injured. Okay, yeah. Fine. Okay, so you've got you know um, uh, Bellingham, Grealish. Sancho, etc., etc. Yeah, I mean, first things first. I like. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have took Rice off at the time. I, I thought. Yeah. I thought he, he gave the ball away. He, he tried to run with the ball at times to transition the ball when he won it back, and he got caught. And I think that was something you could have told him at half time. Listen, win the ball back, play a four pass. That's your game. But mm. I wouldn't have put Henderson on for him. I've, I've had debates with this mm. in people in the office. I think. I, I personally don't think Rice or Henderson is a better player than Rice. I think Rice no. is a similar type, better technically, a bit more mobile. <laughs> So I wouldn't have made that change at that time. I think he was right to go to the three, although a four-three-three. But he should have done it a little bit earlier, I think. Um, but when the Chiesa went off, it was kind of the time to to try and galvanise. So he brought on Saka, who had an okay game, had an okay yeah. game. Um, um, but I definitely would have got Grealish on the pitch, probably 
a little bit earlier and maybe then looked at taking Rice off. So going into, you know, without Henson on the pitch, going into extra time with Grealish, Saka, Sterling, Kane still on the pitch, I think it would have maybe swung the momentum a little bit that we're going to try and go and win this game. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, see, my, my, my issue in general is that I think um, Gareth Southgate and the, the English setup are the kind of coaching and leading by blueprint you know that there's a set kind of manual there a coaching manual everything is in place the leadership is brilliant there joe we'll speak about it in a minute their their relationship with the media is is great um you know they're great young lads everything is good set up well and everything but then like stuff happens in a, in a major final just things get thrown at you and different things and whatever and it's like okay well how do you respond now and i think dave like it's it's quite it's, it's well known England have um, have modelled their approach on on France, you know, 2018 and even 2016, Portugal 2016, where both their managers Deschamps and, and Santos set up strongly defensively, you know, are quite secu- secure, limit the other team scoring, and then hope that one of your kind of superstars, you know, on the break or whatever or set piece gets a goal, and it, it that will bring you very very far. But like to me, not using like in in Germany, they cannot believe how Jaden Sancho is not used as much because he's a superstar, absolute superstar. Grealish, okay, defensively, Grealish is not as secure as some of the other players. You know, Mason Mount, even Saka, but like Grealish can do things. There's just an energy there on the pitch when he comes on in the stadium. The fans want him. That that to me is the point where I'm thinking. Okay, we've never had a better chance to win an international tournament. Now is the time. Now is where I'm going to actually take a little bit of a chance. And with England's history in penalties, I want to avoid penalties. I'm going. Yeah. Let's go and win it in extra time. Yeah, no, I agree. I was, I was thinking that same thing. I was saying to my wife at the time. You know, you, why do not want penalties? Because even yeah. though we had a bit more success two years ago, three years ago in Russia, you know, you want to try and win the game. Everyone wants to try and win the game in normal time. The thing is, though, is I think that, you know, Sancho has done very well in the Bundesliga. Bellingham has as well. It's, it is different. The Bundesliga, you know, it's yeah, a yeah. different type, type of football. He's obviously seeing those players day in, day out. He knows how they train. He's making assessments on the best players he feels is the best to go and play and win that game. Um, but I do agree that we should have taken off at least a defensive midfielder and gone and gone more attacking, of course. But I don't think he knows his best team. I don't think he knows the best 11. I think there's so many players there who are similar and ilk and he could probably put two of them in, take two of them out and probably have a similar type team. So I think that's something that hopefully he'll learn over the next couple of years mm. going into or, or before Qatar, hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah I think Ross... Um, just on that on that point, I think there seems to be like a culture of uh, safety and security uh, that Southgate has, and I think he he seems to be a little bit risk averse. As you've said there, you know he, he didn't Grealish didn't get much game time, Foden didn't get as much game time as we would have thought. Obviously, he started the first game, uh, Foden. Um, England are more tactically better than they used to be. There's no doubt about that when they come into yeah. these big tournaments. They're tactically better than they used to be. They used to just rely on their individual players, the likes of Beckham, the likes of Scholes, the likes of Shearer. They are better tactically. There's no doubt about it. But I think that Southgate has to take risks at some time throughout the game. 
it has to take a big risk, 60, 65 minutes, 70 minutes to go and win the game. Because you can't win these tournaments by just defending and having a good defensive structure and a good setup. Somewhere along the line, you have to take a risk. Hopefully he learns that uh, going into the next tournament. Joe, I think you're spot on. The thing is, what you have to remember is that England have never been in that situation, ever. Mm -hmm. So this is a massive learning curve for everybody. Um, you know, they, I know the FA do a lot of performance problems, problem solving, scenario-based stuff where, but until you're in the heat at the moment in Wembley, as Kieran said, you could hear a pin drop. You know, you've been on the back foot for a long time. And I think throughout the tournament, the, the way he set the team up did work. We were very, you know, hard to beat. Two goals in the whole tournament is, is incredible um, defensively. So... <coughs> You know, it's things that they will take on board, I'm sure, and look to plan for the future and have these certain scenarios that if it happens again, you know, hopefully they, they, they react in a different way or preempt and, and set the team up in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, we'll, we'll do another five minutes, lads. Joe, he certainly took a big risk with the penalty takers. What, what were your thoughts on that as regards bringing on the two guys at the end and, and, and Saka and... What did you think? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, bringing on uh, Rashford. For me, bringing on Rashford, I don't really have a big, big problem with that because he is the penalty taker for United. Um, mm. I think with Sancho, if you look at him with Dortmund, I think Kieran he's only taken one penalty in the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, so I have a problem with the Sancho one. Now, overall, if you bring on players that, haven't kicked the ball. In the I don't think any of them kicked the ball in the whole tournament and you're bringing them on the last minute. Are they ready for that? Have they taken the atmosphere in? It's just a big, big ask because also psychologically, them boys are probably thinking, well, Southgate hasn't trusted me in this tournament so far because he hasn't given me any time on the pitch, but now he's bringing me on to hit, hit a penalty kick. So, it does, you know, it's, it's a tricky one for Southgate and obviously, if, if it pays off, it's brilliant. It's a mastermind. Yeah. It's genius if it pays off. But it just didn't pay off uh, this time. Yeah, you look at the well, other players who are there too. You know, you've got Grealish, you've got Sterling. Maybe they should have taken a penalty. Joe, just just on that. I mean, you got to remember, Sancho did start one of the games, so he did play. He did he did play at least one of the yeah. games. Um, Semi final. I think, Sorry, I think he did. Yeah. I think the thing is, right, is um, this is what I've heard, obviously not 100% confirmed. They did a lot of work on, on penalty practice in training, as you'd imagine, yeah. especially England going in. And a lot of the staff analysed all of the players' penalties throughout all those sessions. And it was agreed amongst players and staff that they were the five best penalty takers that people wanted to take a penalty. So it was an agreement amongst everyone. Um, so... I think anyone can miss a penalty. I do have issues with people like Sterling not stepping up and taking a penalty. I mean, he's one of your most experienced players, one of your better players, forward line players. I think he should be in the mix anyway. But they try to go on methodical about it. They try to take yeah. a bit more of a scientific approach. And <clears throat> it hasn't paid off. I think, you know, and anyone can miss a penalty. England are bad at penalties mm. anyway. I don't think people should really be saying anything about <coughs> penalties, you know. I think there's yeah. more more gripes during the game. We had opportunity to take the game to Italy a little bit more as opposed to penalty kick. It, it, it was a really interesting one, Ross, and I was going to actually ask you about that, uh, you know, and you've, you've answered it already, really, but they, they took a very scientific approach where they, they did the stats, who scores the most amount of penalties, where they're putting it, everything like that. Very, very interesting. And, like, we're both sports scientists working and, and in performance departments in professional football so you know we, we know about all this kind of stuff the question is I suppose is that what about the feel for the game you know and I spoke to, to, to Paul Furlong the last day about it and he just kind of said to himself that you know sometimes yeah you might be down to take a penalty but you just may not feel it that day 
you know, you might have given away two balls just beforehand. You're just a little bit kind of, you know, not confident. Or it, it, I just found, I found it interesting when like Jack Grealish came out on Twitter against Roy Keane today and just said that he actually wanted to take a penalty, but Saka was told he is taking it. Whereas normally we've seen coaches saying, okay, who wants to take one? Now that's, that can be a problem as well because every Aegis can put up his hand and go, oh, I'll, I'll take it, even though he shouldn't. Um, but look, I think predicting penalty, you know, uh, winners and scores is very difficult. I, I was there on the couch telling my wife, Jorginho penalty, I said, look, this guy does not miss. It's not possible. He's just like, nobody can stop his penalties. <laughs> it's a definite goal. Forget about it. You know, so it's it's... No, I think, you're, I think you're spot on there. And I think, like, because when um, I think Sancho came on or Rashford came on, they had the list already. I think they had the list of... of I saw that. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so I, I think when, when you go into the huddle, I think you then say, look, we've planned for these five. <clears throat> yeah, Grealish, you fancy one, Sterling? I'm going to tinker yeah. a little bit. That could have been something that went in. Just <clears throat> on, on the penalty, I mean, Donna Roma was fantastic. Oh, I mean, I mean he's, he's a giant in goal, but fair yeah. play to Pickford. Pickford yeah. um, had yeah. a lot of critics in the semi-final, pulled out two fantastic saves, kept yeah. England's hopes alive, and, and poor Saka then, you know, went up, had a go. and, and <coughs> So, yeah, yeah. I, listen, I think you could, again, it's probably maybe improving the real-time decision-making. They've had a blueprint, yeah. they've had a plan, and, and that's evident, They, you know, and that gets you so far very well organised and very... The next level, maybe that's the next level, you know. Joe, just, just finally, um, like the, what great guys, Rashford, Saka, Sancho, all of them, not just them three. Like you were struck by how the English camp were so open to the cameras and showing like their gym sessions, their, you know, warm ups, their little passing practices, you know, <laughs> something that some of the GA teams and in the GA world could learn from a bit. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, I know. I know. Obviously, GAA players are amateur, and their time is restricted because they've got nine to five jobs and so on. But still, in all, you know, you can still give more access to your players in terms of interviews, in terms of other things. And you know, I, I tuned into a lot of those uh, the beginnings of the training sessions that England were putting on YouTube, that we were putting on Facebook, that they were putting on Twitter. Um, and you know, you could see 20, 25 minutes. It's really good for coaches actually because you could see Steve Holland. Uh, the assistant manager he was in the middle and he was mm. kind of dictating things and you could see Southgate yeah. starting back and he was letting Steve Holland uh, you know take the lead role and, and he didn't really get involved himself you know Southgate yeah. which I thought was really really good and you know that, that yeah. could you know a lot of GA managers who are managers could learn to maybe take a step back observe things from from a distance and allow their assistant manager or their other coach or other coaches to get in and to get more involved in it so for, yeah. That's one point of it, but the other point is is the openness of the England team, you know, mm -hmm. to allow them. Obviously, we didn't see any of the tactical <laughs> setup stuff, uh, but you know, GA managers could learn, you know, from this. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Joe, is that a subliminal message to me that I I didn't let give you enough responsibility <laughs> or something? I, it I didn't is clear. Yeah. Two, two two years <laughs> two years too late. <laughs> <laughs> too late now, Ross. I, I mean, we won't discuss it on this, but. I mean, the scenes outside Wembley before, yeah. during, I mean, the country has basically given up the opportunity to host the World Cup um, uh, 2030, really, because England yeah. were favourites to be given that. And I mean, the difference between what this young football team now are looking to represent and the fans who sometimes support them, sometimes boo them, sometimes, you know, act like louts, 
it's it's stark. Yeah, I mean, let's be really honest about this. Um, just going back to the players, I mean, the good thing about this squad and the management is the professionalism they have going into mm. tournaments and all around the camp. You think years ago, people like yeah. Gaz, Gazar, mm. Sheringham, the scandals that used to come out before tournaments and the English players, it was a bit of a laugh, even though they were top-class players. Now, things are dealt with very professionally and, and the squad are in massive credit in terms of that. The fans or the minority or however many percentage of the fans who who are seen um, in London the day before getting, you know, absolutely smashed, causing issues with police, fighting, violence, mm. etc. The racist <laughs> stuff we've seen, the stuff at the um, stadium, people trying to break in, young kids, 18, 19, old people, you know, 50, 60. I've seen so many videos that you just wouldn't mm. even want to show your kids because it's no. disgusting. And it's a reason why the majority of the world can't stand England. And and no. it's a shame because the team don't represent that. And no. No. all I'm looking at is from a football perspective that <clears throat> this team have done themselves proud um, yeah. in this tournament amongst lots of other teams. They've, they've contributed to a fantastic tournament, yet the only thing we're speaking about is the hooligans mm. and the yobs of, of, of the people that live in England who supposedly want to support their team. So... Yeah. It's disgusting. There needs to be a massive, massive overhaul and some sort of change mm. to this culture. I don't know how it's going to change, where it's going to come from, because mm. it's been going for years. But if yeah. it doesn't happen, England <coughs> is going to be seen in the same light. And it's just a shame. It's just a massive yeah. shame. Yeah, they, they, maybe they could start with the, a change in, in 10 Downing Street and that might help, might spark a little bit of change for, I mean, for, for the whole it, environment. Mate, Maybe kids, but these people have been going to football matches and, yeah. and, and yeah. fighting for years and causing these yeah. issues. So I, I agree the, the politics has, has, has so much to answer for. But, you know, there has to be some yeah. some consequence for this behaviour, even if it's a no England fan can go to any games for a year yeah. or certain players <coughs> say, I'm not playing for the next two yeah. games because it's not fair that we get abused. Something like that, because... Yeah. You know who's going to take notice at the minute of yeah. a UEFA fine? People don't. No, care. no, and I think I think that's the key is that there has to be repercussions. So, like even the Wembley, you know, stadium announcer saying, "Yeah, apparently a few people got in." Like you listen to the journalist Miguel Delaney and some of those, like they were saying as it happened what was going on, and people coming up to him and saying, "We need the police here," and you know all that. Stuff. There was there was people who supported <clears throat> England being violently abused yeah, by yeah. people trying to get into the stadium yeah. for a number of different reasons. I saw a kid who got mm -hmm. hit, um, a yeah. ten year old kid who got punched by a man must have been 55, 60. This stuff, these people should Terrible. be in prison. They shouldn't be around. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, what, what absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe Ross, what's your uh, um, overriding memory and feeling from the tournament in general, Joe? Um, I would just say maybe Kieran. For for me, it was the beginning of the tournament. Obviously, when we seen what happened to Ericsson and the oh, yeah. way the Denmark team, the way the Denmark team, yeah. not only at that moment in time, obviously with their with their captain and Schmeichel as well, showing those leadership qualities. But then as they went through the tournament, obviously getting to the semi final and staying together as a team, that that for me was you know the the big thing of the tournament for me. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, 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 well, uh, uh, nearly tragic, but uh, fascinating thing that mm -hmm. happened with the, the players forming the ring around mm -hmm. him, led by the captain, Ross. 
Yeah, I think I think for me it was the the openness and the unpredictability of who is going to win this tournament. I mean, we yeah. saw very early on Italy were phenomenal all the way through, but coming into the tournament they wasn't perceived as a top top team <coughs> that could go and win this. You had people like France, Portugal, Holland, even in the mix. England were obviously up there. <coughs> I think I think it was fantastic to actually see a tournament where we didn't know or we wasn't quite sure where the winner was going to come from. But you know, my wife's yeah. half Italian. I've been getting it in the in the, in the ear how good they are. I have to hold my hands yeah. up. They were fantastic again, so I yeah. have to say Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the the the, the last few. What, what was your scare? Yeah, the, just the la- the last few moments of the whole tournament where Italy, where Chiellini was lifting up the cup, and Mancini, who who had a very poor Italian playing career, really for the talent that he had, he was very unlucky with injuries and you know being dropped by managers and stuff. And I, my overriding feeling at that point, because the English thing had been done, was. It's brilliant to have Italy back at the top of football. You know that they weren't even in the last World Cup, Ross, weren't they? Not. No, no. So yeah, so it was great just getting the big boys back in Italy and, and the likes of them playing well and, and performing and all. So is is great for the game. You know the cal- calcio is always good to watch. For sure. Okay, lads, thanks for that. Um, short and sweet, interesting episode. And um, thanks, listener, and thanks to ripped.app. Um, head over to dailysportscience.com as well. We're just launching an online certificate in sports performance coaching, um, which has been, is, is, I, I think, will be really popular. So go onto the website and you'll get information about that. And um, until next day, good luck. <laughs>